welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in Spencer, Iowa. And we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, coming to you this Sunday, the 27th of February with March right around the corner. And we today come to you to celebrate the last Sunday of what's sometimes called as pre-Lent or Gesmatide, whatever you want to call it also known as Quinquagesima Sunday, which is a fancy Greek way of saying we are exactly 50 days away from Easter. And this morning we'll hear about how Jesus now from Jericho heads towards the cross. And as he does, he's stopped by a blind man, blind Bartimaeus as we know in the other Gospels, crying out the Kyrie. There will be no divine service catechesis this morning, so we'll move right ahead to our matin service with the opening hymn, Open Now Thy Gates of Beauty. Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to Thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him.
Be thou my strong rock, for an house of defense to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Be thou my strong rock, for an house of defense to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. The Old Testament lesson for Quinquagesima Sunday is written in the 16th chapter of the first book of the prophet Samuel, beginning at the first verse. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided a king for myself with his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint to me him whom I name to you. Samuel did which the Lord spoke and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. He sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. When they had come, he looked at Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look on his face or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For I don't see as man sees, For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. He said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. He said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? He said, There remains yet the youngest. Behold, he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with a handsome face and good appearance. The Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the middle of his brothers. Then the Lord's Spirit came mightily on David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the thirteenth chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the first verse. 
Brothers, if I speak with the languages of men and of angels, but don't have love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but don't have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient and is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't brag. Is not proud. Doesn't behave itself inappropriately. Doesn't seek its own way. Is not provoked. Takes no account of evil. Doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will be done away with. Where there are various languages, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is complete has come, then that which is partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I felt as a child, I thought as a child. Now that I have become a man, I have put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then, face to face, now I know in part, but then, I will know fully, even as I was also fully known. But now, faith, hope, and love remain, these three, The greatest of these is love. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things that are written through the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be completed, for he will be delivered up to the Gentiles, will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit on. They will scourge and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. They understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they didn't understand the things that were said. As he came near Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the road, begging, Hearing a multitude going by, he asked what this meant. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Those who led the way rebuked him, that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Standing still, Jesus commanded him to be brought to him. When he had come near, he asked him, What do you want me to do? He said, Lord, that I may see again. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. 
your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, praised God. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, last Sunday I preached that these three Sundays before Lent had two purposes. First, to teach, uh, to teach and remind us how the kingdom of God works, by grace alone, by the word alone, and this Sunday by faith alone. And second, to prepare us for Lent by making us sit down and count the cost of what it means to give up everything, pick up our crosses, and follow Christ to Golgotha. Because if we go into the season of Lent to mortify the flesh with intense repentance, and if we are going to forsake everything for Christ, then we better know and count the costs of what is being forsaken in the flesh and in everything that we do forsake. So today, as we learn to count the costs of discipleship, we are meant to focus on how the kingdom of God works by faith alone. But then look at Paul's epistle, and there seems to be a problem. It doesn't seem to be about faith alone, does it? If you look at Paul's epistle, you can almost come away thinking it's about love alone, as if love is the only thing that matters, which for us Lutherans can make us feel a little uneasy. After all, how often do we hear that love is love? In other words, that regardless of the subject of love, or the object of love, or the form of the love, that it's love. And as long as it's love, then love will win. So anything could be love, really, but love will win. That's what we're told. And so we ought to let love be love in all its forms, says the world, and accept love in all of its iterations. After reading Paul's passage this morning, it can make us question, is the world right? Are we wrong? Is it about love alone and not faith alone or word alone or grace alone? But see, if we read that and thought that's what Paul was saying, then we'd miss Paul's point. Love cannot be understood without hope, and hope cannot be understood without faith, and faith cannot be understood without divine love. And to see this, to understand this ourselves, we must apply Paul's epistles today to our gospel that we heard today. Because they fit together so well, and it seems as if Paul has our gospel lesson in mind when he is writing of love. And so Paul begins his letter saying, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. 
if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, when we hear Paul say this, it's easy for us to think first and foremost about ourselves in these words. But really, isn't Paul here describing Christ? Think about it. Wasn't it Christ who had prophetic powers? And don't we see that in the gospel? As he prophesies the Son of Man accomplishing all the prophecies of the prophets by being betrayed, mocked, spit upon, flogged, killed, and three days later rising from the dead? And does Christ not understand all mysteries and all knowledge? Of course he does. After all, isn't he the author of our faith? Isn't he himself the mystery of the cross, the mystery of baptism, the mystery of the Eucharist? Isn't he the one through whom all things were created? And as such, he would be the author of all knowledge, being himself the truth. As for faith to move mountains, didn't the author of all faith himself show all faith in his earthly life? And as he died upon the cross, faith in the Father? On the cross, did he not give away all that he had as he poured out all his blood and poured out himself completely? Didn't his body burn, not just with the pains of the floggings and the nails, but also as he drowned in the fire of the Father's wrath? Yes, Paul describes Christ perfectly here. But Paul's asking the question, what would it mean if Christ came to earth incarnate of the Virgin Mary with that power of prophecy, being himself the mystery with all faith, having emptied himself on the cross, and did it all without love? What would that mean for him and for us? We'll consider that in our gospel today. In Christ, in Jericho, surrounded by crowds, he was headed toward Jerusalem and to the cross. But what if he did it without love? Imagine then the blind man begging, crying out the Kyrie as he is here. Imagine the crowd shutting him down and him having to yell even louder. And then instead of Jesus calling for him, Jesus without love just passes him by. Maybe ignoring him, maybe joining in with the crowds yelling for him to be quiet. In such a case, the blind man would remain blind. Would not follow Jesus. He would not have any hope. If Christ did all this without love, all of us, like the blind man, would be without hope. Because without love, Christ's prophecy would benefit us nothing. His mysteries would be kept locked away from us. All knowledge would then be useless. His faith would be impossible for us to attain. Even if Christ gave up all he had on the cross, if it were not in love, we would be nothing to him, and he would be nothing but a terror to us. In that case, Christ's prophecy of his passion, the gospel, would be nothing but a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, as Paul says. Because you see, faith is impossible without divine love. Faith is impossible unless God loves us first. And so God loved the world. Even when we hated him and were his enemies, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It was the love of God that sent his Son into this world incarnate. It was the love of Christ that we see in his prophecy, where he tells us he is going to die for us. It is the love of the Trinity that we see on the cross hanging there. Do you want to know what love is? 
Here is the crucifix, the image of love, Christ crucified. This is divine love. This is true love. It is the total sacrifice, the complete emptying it out of the Son of God in the flesh and blood for you, for the world. It is this divine love which leads us to repentance. It is this divine love which creates faith in us. It is by faith alone that we cling to Christ crucified. Christ crucified is the picture of perfect, complete, harmonious love. Don't look to the world to define love for you. They don't know what it is. Here on the cross, your Lord defines love for you. And Paul continues, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And now, see the love of Christ toward the blind man. But before we really notice that, notice the crowds. Notice how in their zeal for Christ, they shouted the blind man down. As he shouted the Kyrie louder and louder, notice their boasting against the blind man, their irritation at him, their resentfulness of him. Notice how the crowd rejoiced in their wrongdoing as more and more of their voices joined the chorus in shouting the blind man down. This crowd which followed Jesus, they didn't have love that bore this ailment with the blind man. They didn't have love that would share the faith with him by joining in his curie instead of shouting against it. This crowd gave him no hope. It was the crowd which he had to endure. Think of it, they had Christ. They may even have had faith that he would be their savior, but their rebuke showed they did not have love. They were nothing. They gained nothing. But notice what Jesus does in the blind man's worship and plea for help in crying the Kyrie. Our Lord does not boast of his journey to the cross or of his divinity or of his glory. Our Lord is not envious that the blind man is taking attention away from him. Instead, in patience, our Lord stops on his way to the cross. In kindness, our Lord commands the crowd to repent. Think of that. When he speaks, when he commands them, they stop rebuking the blind man and instead do the opposite. They turn around and bring the blind man to him. As the blind man is brought to our Lord, our Lord isn't irritable or resentful. He doesn't rejoice in the crowd's wrongdoing. Instead, he rejoices in the blind man's pleas in worship. He even asked the blind man to pray more by asking the blind man what he wants. And then he gladly hears the blind man pray, Lord, let me recover my sight. Our Lord rejoices in the worship, in the prayer. And see what our Lord does. He gives the blind man his sight. And it is no magic trick. But the divine love of Christ takes from the blind man his blindness. Any blindness which the blind man had, any illness, any corruption which belonged to the blind man is now brought into Christ himself. And by bringing all this corruption into himself, Christ 
bore all things with the blind man, believed all things with the blind man, hoped all things with the blind man, endured all things with the blind man, as he brought the blindness of this man to the cross and suffered the price of his blindness there in his stead. This is what Christ does for you. We were all conceived in sin. We were all blind to our own sin and to God as well. Blind in sin, blind in unbelief, in hate, in envy, boasting, arrogance, in vanity, in our own way, blind in resentfulness. In sin, we boasted in evil and hated good. That's how blind we were. But in baptism, the divine love of the cross was shed upon us there so that Christ took our blindness from us and gave us his righteousness with the eyes of faith to always behold him. In baptism, we now constantly hear him tell us from the pulpit, recover your sight, your faith has made you well. Your faith continues to make you well. In the Eucharist, as Christ forgives our sins as we partake of his flesh and blood, he shows us that he continues in divine love to there bear all things with us, to lead us to hope for all things in him. And this is what you must see here. The divine love of Christ crucified gives us faith, creates faith in us. And in him, faith gives us hope. Hope which believes all things in him and endures all things in him. Divine love creates faith. Faith gives hope. Paul continues saying, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Our gospel story ends with the blind man recovering his sight and following and glorifying God. And the crowd then also follows praising God. And this is the enduring picture which we are left with in the gospel before Lent. The picture we are left with here is Christ with his church glorifying God. Why is that the final picture? Because love, divine love, true love, never ends. Prophecies will be fulfilled and will pass away. Christ will return, and in that moment, all prophecies will pass away as the new heavens and the new earth emerge. The gift of tongues, which Paul talks about here, has long since ceased in the church. All knowledge will pass away when all creation opens and the sky falls for our returning Savior. When creation passes away, the old creation passes away, all knowledge passes away with it. But the perfect, the one who completes all things, who fulfills all things, he will come. And in that day when he comes... Everything that is partial, as Paul says here, will pass away. For just as a boy was created to mature into a man, so we Christians in this life are recreated in baptism to be resurrected in perfect bodies with perfect hearts. We know this in part now. 
hoping for this. That means we know it in part. But we will see it fully on that day. Even as God knows us fully now in our baptism, on that day, we will know fully everything in the new creation. The resurrection, the new heavens and the new earth, being with our, being with our Savior at all times, at the feast for all eternity. That is our hope now in baptism. Our hope, which stems from our faith, created in us from the divine love of Christ crucified. But you must understand, when Christ returns, faith and hope are not the end of the story. Instead, Paul finishes the epistle today saying, So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. From God to us, there is divine love. To God from us, there is faith created from this divine love, so that when we fast in repentance to mortify our flesh, we also cling in faith to Christ crucified, who forgives us. From ourselves to ourselves, there is hope that springs from faith, the hope of the resurrection, of the new heaven and of the new earth, of the eternal feast, the hope of knowing our Father in heaven hears us so that we are led to pray to Him. All of that is in hope. And towards others, from us towards others, towards our neighbor, there is love which stems from hope, which is the fruition of hope. The love which sacrifices our bodies to God for almsgiving, for charity, for love of our neighbor. Just as Christ in divine love sacrificed himself out of love for us, so we love our neighbor. From divine love, from Christ crucified, we are forgiven. From the divine love reflected in us, others are brought into this divine love to also be forgiven by him. So understand this. Without divine love, there is no faith. Without faith, there is no hope. Without hope, we cannot truly love. Without hope, there is no divine love. Yet when Christ returns and we arise, we will no longer need forgiveness and faith will be fulfilled. When Christ returns and we arise, all hope will be realized, will be fully grasped. We hold in part all of this in hope. But when Christ comes again, we will have all of it in full. Hope will also be fulfilled when Christ returns. So when Christ returns with faith and hope fulfilled, we know that they will pass away. But love will remain. The divine love given to us, the divine love worked through us, is eternal. And because the love of Christ crucified is eternal, it is the greatest of these three virtues. And so this Lent, as we ready ourselves for Ash Wednesday, we remember this. We fast in repentance, knowing in faith that Christ crucified forgives and saves us. We pray in hope, knowing we are heard by the Father, who will send his Son to come again. We give alms and charity in love, 
loving others now because God loved us first. We count the cost knowing this, that love never ends. We pick up our crosses and follow Christ knowing this, that love never ends. We go forward in faith alone knowing this, the fruition of faith. Love never ends. And love is the complete sacrifice of the self, the forsaking of all things for the other, as Christ did for us on the cross. So having now heard how the kingdom of God works, by grace alone, by the word alone, by faith alone, faith in the fruition of love, having now counted the costs, let us celebrate and partake of our Lord's Supper as we look to begin our Lenten journey in just a few days on Wednesday. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spit on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spit on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, we beseech you, mercifully hear our prayers and, having set us free from the bonds of sin, defend us from all evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, Remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions. But out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. 
As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this Matins podcast celebrating the last Sunday in the Gessimas. Please feel free to join us this Wednesday. We begin our midweek services for Lent this Wednesday as we celebrate Ash Wednesday. That podcast will come out at 6.15. And we'll be back next Sunday as well to celebrate the first Sunday in Lent, Invocabit Sunday, and we'll release that podcast at the normal time. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.